Hi everyone, welcome. welcome to the Voice It Show. This is 33rd episode and Rehe is here already. Wow, Hello, what a pleasure. Hi. Hello everyone in the chat. Oh, look at you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in this week as well. And what a pleasure today and what an honor today. We have a very special guest and... Well, you can see the joy on my face. Gosh, damn it! <laughs> but before that, if you haven't yet subscribed to our channel, so please go ahead and hit the subscribe button Funky is pointing to. And yeah, we want to give a special shout out to the patrons of the What's It Show, Funky. Yes, a huge, huge thank you to Eden Gorak, Chris Vickery, Shelly O'Neill, and of course, Anders Lindholm. Thank you so much, guys. Awesome. And to begin with, today it's a special day because we have a special guest. Funky, I'm stealing your lens. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so... Today we have with us a musical extraordinaire and award-winning producer, artist, guitar player from the Silicon Valley of India, that is Bangalore. He is now based in Seattle. He is the owner, founder of Verge Studios, Mr. George Verghese. Well, he did his higher education in computer science from the University of Southern California. George began his musical journey from young age. He formed his own band called Crystals and went on to form another band called Mixed Fruit Jam with his close friends. And Mixed Fruit Jam was a huge success here. It also won the second prize at the national reality TV competition in India called ZTV Saregama. Yes, that's right. And George also won the award for Best Lead Guitarist in the National Competitions. His own self-produced right. album called Back in Time was in the ballots for Grammy Awards and has won many uh, accolades. Uh, George has performed with musicians like uh, Larry Mitchell, Tony McAlpine. Uh, uh, and at a, at a young age, he also performed in front of uh, 28,000 people with Brian Adams. Uh, in 2013, he started working at Robert Lang Studio uh, at, in Seattle, where he worked with uh, world-class professionals and finally started his own studio called Verge Studios. And currently, he also associated with uh, Grieve the Astronaut Band as the audio engineer. So we are very honored to have him on the show. So please welcome George Verghese. Woohoo! <laughs> Welcome. Hey, hi, good to meet you, Kanak and Funky. Uh, nice Thank to meet you. Thank you so too. much. Welcome. Welcome to the Voice It Show. It's and great to be Thank here. you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And such a pleasure to meet you. And uh, it feels so great. I, I think I feel like at home, even though I am at home, but I feel like at home today. <laughs> 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 Likewise, I don't know. I feel like I'm. I'm not, even though we've just met, I feel like I've known you all forever. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how's it going? Tell us what's happening with you, and uh, how was the past year, and uh, what's 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 new? Right now, uh, just uh, like you mentioned, I Word Studios. That's been my main focus for the last three years. Uh, most people know me as a guitar player, yeah. uh, performing shows. That's my number one passion that I always love doing. But about three years ago, I started right. Word Studios and uh, it, I always kept saying, next year I'll get back to playing guitar like uh, with full focus, but 
six and three years and uh, loving every minute of the studio because I get to do both. Uh, and um, right. I did think that last year I would get back on the stage, but uh, COVID came along. So I'm still on the virtual stage sure. to some degree, but uh, looking forward to getting hey. back and playing soon. True. Nice. That's right. And you grew up in a musical family, right? Your mom, she's also yes. an eighth grade graduate from the Trinity College of Music. And your dad, yes. like me, is an ardent lover of. So uh, how was it, you know, growing up? And I grew up in a musical family. And what would you listen to back then? And was it more of like, would you listen to what your parents would listen to? Yeah, so definitely. My mom uh, is a big influence in my life. Uh, she uh, I used to play the piano back then, and I would listen to her. And and uh, I I did not learn any piano back then, but I would just listen and assimilate that music. Uh, my dad used to love music and bring records back in the day. He went to Russia once and brought a bunch of these uh, classical records like Tchaikovsky and Mozart. So that was playing a lot in my home. Uh, and there was always music. It was always wow. music playing, uh, but I never got to study anything or mm -hmm. try any instrument till I was twelve. Uh, but I would just listen to a lot, a lot of music. Um, and uh, right. now my mom's actually teaching, and she's uh, just crossed eighty years old. She started after wow. I left home in uh, two thousand three. Wow. She started her career, and now twenty five years later, she's. She's got wow. students and she's still teaching after the age of 80. So I'm very uh, uh, inspired by her and, uh, wow. and learned a lot from her. That's amazing. Impressive. Yeah. Absolutely commendable. And congratulations to your mom on that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, so I'm going to ask you a bit about instruments. So I read somewhere that you taught yourself how to play the guitar and the under, other instruments that you play. So did you do all the work by yourself or did you have anybody else to help you out and teach you? Yes. So uh, actually, um, I owe a lot of my guitar playing to uh, Robert uh, from India. He was uh, he used to work at Reynolds, mm -hmm. uh, Robert Xavier. And I remember it was 92 when I went to him. It was 1992, I believe, in that range. And uh, he showed me all the foundations of you know, chords and rhythms. I have a little book that I would have, and he would make me write all the songs with the chords on top of it, and I would have stickles, and that book was my life. And uh, uh, But here, tying back to Kanat's question, he's the one who introduced me to all of the music that I listen to today. Because uh, back then, like I said, my dad brought uh, classical music. It was Paul Mordiot, and it was all of that Boniem, Carpenters. But when when I met Robert, he gave me this tape, and on that tape was a bunch of right. songs which I had no idea who was playing them. But I just brought it home and said, "Work it out." And so I worked out a lot of that music. I just wanted a cassette player and an acoustic guitar. But I didn't have an electric guitar for many many years. And uh, later on, I found out that those bands were Deep Purple and uh, Iron Maiden and Van Halen and Led Zeppelin and things which right. I, didn't, I didn't know who they were. I just knew that I was playing music that I loved. But uh, later on, I found out who those bands were. And, um, and so that was my start. So Robert mm. was a big influence. Uh, but then after about a year of uh, studying with him, I started picking up, uh, I, I loved playing solos. Uh, the lead guitar. So I started uh, listening to cassettes and working out uh, leads, whether it was Creedence Clearwater Revival or uh, bands from back then which we used to listen to. Uh, but right. the main learning started in 96 when I was introduced to Joe Satriani. And uh, since then, my world ah. of uh, lead guitar changed. <laughs> so he's been a big influence. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's uh, to, to continue with the instrument question, can you tell us uh, how many instruments can you play in which? Yeah, so that uh, ties down to actually 94 when I joined, uh, uh, it was back then. Um, I wanted to start a band. I was still then I was playing by myself, just practicing and learning. But nobody around me, there, weren't, it, there was no internet to find people. And, and in the school, every, it was only choir back then. Mm. There was no band. The, the, 
the music room just had one drum set, which was kind of half broken down, and pianos. There were pianos everywhere because the school was all about uh, choir. So I said, you, the only way I could start a band is to learn the instrument. So I took that drum set and started playing around in it and figured out a few beats. Uh, Credence Clearwater Revival was one of the first uh, songs we used to play, or maybe La, La Bamba, those kind of simple songs. Um, but so I, right. I the piano was the next thing that I wanted to learn, but I didn't have access. To, I didn't have, I didn't own any instrument except an acoustic guitar. So there was a, there was a piano in the school hall, the music hall, but it was, it had a lock mm -hmm. on it. So I would go there every lunch break and Gosh. remove all the parts of the piano so that I could get access to the keys. And that's how I learned piano. <laughs> Just wow. playing on those <laughs> keys every, every lunch break for two years. Uh, so wow. To answer the question, I, I dabbled with drums and piano. I don't call myself a drummer or a piano player. I'm more a guitar player, but I can, I'm comfortable on those instruments, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Um, and uh, Raymond also, uh, Kanak, can you read the question? Can you read it the is. comment? Yeah. Ray has been on a ukulele. Wow. Ray, that's, that's not true, but... Uh, uh, I I found the ukulele really hard to play, and after Crystal, my daughter, six year old, started playing it, I said I better learn this thing because she's <laughs> she's gonna learn one instrument more than me. Just kidding. Yeah. I I did uh, I did uh, create a little song for her that I played to her mostly almost every night before she sleeps, uh, and she loves that song. So that little ukulele piece that I play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very Whoa. nice. And. Awesome. Uh, Earlier backstage, you were showing us a bit of your studio. So I saw a bass as well. So do you play a bass? Uh, I'm, again, I play the bass because it, I think when instruments are around you for 25 to 30 years, you don't have a choice. But I don't call myself yeah, a bass player yeah. because there are so many good musicians out there who play way better than me and I've put so much time and effort into it. But yes, I definitely can play the bass. And on most of the uh, recordings I work with that artist, uh, for sake of time and cost, I play the bass, but but I always tell them if you want a better bass line, call a bass player. And uh, yeah. most of them, <laughs> quite often, it's it's either or. But yeah, I do love playing the bass. I think the bass is an amazing instrument. And I think I remember Funky, you're plus start, gonna start playing the bass too, right? You're gonna pick up oh, your guitar. She, um, she got well, a bass actually, yesterday. Got yeah, I got a bass. I remember <laughs> you said you were going to buy. You hadn't yet decided which one. Oh, which one did you get? Uh, it's and a Harley Benton bass. I don't know which exactly, but I have to figure that out. Um, but wow. it's, it's a nice bass. I'm finally I starting out. I remember you out. sold your guitar to buy this. You sold another yes. guitar to buy this. Yes, I, so cool. I, I sold a classical uh, uh, guitar to buy this one. And I saved a bit of money for it as well. So finally my it's God. here. I can start my bass journey. <laughs> so I yeah. can't wait to hear what you do with it. Well, thank you. I can't wait either. Mm. So yeah, there is that. Nice, congratulations. Yeah, that's fun. Thank that's great. stuff happening with Funky. Yeah, that's what's <laughs> happening with me. <laughs> nice. Absolutely. And you know, when George said that, you know, he learned stuff on acoustic guitar and didn't have an electric guitar for a long time, I guess that's, that's every typical Indian's journey, Indian guitarist journey, because most of us learn on an acoustic guitar because I learned on an acoustic guitar as well. And then later on, when you're able to play on an acoustic, we, sit, we switch to an electric guitar. Electric. But I feel that there's some downsides yeah. to that in terms of technique, uh, which uh, I exactly. learned. I had some bad technique in the beginning, which I still have sometimes and struggle to get over it. Uh, because um, especially my guitar was, I don't know if you know Reynolds, but it was one of those 300 rupee, like two, three dollar guitars True. back then. The action was super high and it had only that much of a of a neck to play on and I was in play Joe Satri I need some song on that so I would actually have to work yeah. off the song uh, on the lower octave and then go on stage True. borrow a guitar and then play it without ever having practiced it on the higher scale so God. that's kind of that was my life <laughs> exactly yeah. that's that's a whole new experience because when you switch from acoustic to electric it's like Sometimes you feel electric guitar is playing without even touching it. Like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> yeah. I, it's I, very uh, sensitive and whatnot. So, yeah. But I appreciate all those uh, guitar players who would lend me their guitars just because they have to go on after me 
but they would say, yeah, go ahead and wow. use my guitar. So I would have never touched that guitar before, but it was, uh, it was quite an experience back then. And I craved a guitar, I craved an electric guitar. And uh, the journey to get electric Man. guitar was seven years. And um, yeah. I kept telling my dad, like, you know, an electric guitar costs, whatever, say 5,000 rupees, whatever it was. It was out of the way for all of us back then. And, I, and then he said, okay, at one time we'll buy it for you. And then I kept waiting. And finally, from five, it went to 10. From 10 to 20, 20, but I found this guitar, which I wanted to cost 40. It was like eight times more expensive. And it was like, True. I just waited and waited for that guitar. And seven years later, 96, um, uh, it was in Feb uh, 8th. That guitar came all the yeah. way from Washington, D.C. to Bombay to Bangalore. I waited like a year for it to reach my house after buying wow. it. And opening wow. that yeah, yeah, person, yeah. It, it had a lock. I opened it and the smell and everything was that. That guitar still with me, my pride and joy. <laughs> true that's a magical experience actually yeah and that's true in those times you had to get it from somewhere else yeah. and import it basically nowadays yeah, there are in stores in India oh yeah it in the magazine wow. uh, it was uh, it's a Ibanez 540S uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, and I wrote a handwritten letter to my aunt in, uh, in DC and she uh, went to the shop picked it up and then one year later, when she was planning a trip to Bombay, she or uh, Mumbai, she flew in, and then the guitar sat there for another six months, and then another aunt had to bring it over. Wow. <laughs> wow. So quite a story, but it's it's yeah. been twenty five years with that guitar. Wow, and, uh, yeah, over five hundred shows with the guitar. Nice. How Very cool nice. is that? Guitar has its own journey too. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so. Uh, that's it. So, uh, how was it performing in front of twenty-eight thousand of audience in India? With uh, I remember that like Brian Adams. Yeah, right. I remember that like as though it was just like recent because uh, honestly, that was the only opportunity I got to play for such a big audience. <laughs> so, but the truth <laughs> is that it was <laughs> uh, the truth was. It, it was um, opening for Brian Adams, uh, playing with a, uh, an amazing artist named Raghu Dixit, who invited me to perform with yeah. him. Uh, the main thing I remember from that day was the sound of the audience. Uh, I still remember ah. we get on that stage, my hands were trembling because you get you get like ten minutes on stage because it's not like a long opening act, and you got to, I think it was two songs, and I'm like, you got this is it, and this is the only time you get to do it. Uh, it was my Oh, something happened. Uh, oh, okay. He'll be back. Yeah. In the meanwhile, we can say hi. If, okay. Maybe, maybe George, can you sign out and sign back in once again? Okay. Oh, I'm back is. in. Welcome so back. You, yeah, he's back. That's Welcome it. back to the part two of George Berger. <laughs> 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 Yeah, no. but I was saying uh, Please, the ma main thing I remember was yeah. the sound of the audience. It was really loud, and I I uh, I envy all these the bands that get to perform in such big audiences. And um, the interesting thing is why I say that it never ch uh, was the same was because I came to the U.S. Uh, audience sizes mm. so in India, I think the audience sizes were by default big. I think average we would have True. four to five thousand people at a show, and uh, it was so exactly. easy that we would play three or four shows a month. Uh, but once I came here, I had to start all over again and from scratch. And I would have five people in the audience back then, and uh, half of them would be friends and family. So, uh, but it's been a long journey right. since uh, the last ten years. It was a fantastic journey, actually. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as a studio owner now and producer, and you also do the videography for so many uh, bands and whatnot. And in fact, there is a session happening right after this interview. So, uh, you know, how is your typical day at work? And uh, what are your responsibilities at the studio? And uh, when do you check in, check out, how, how, how it goes? Yeah, so uh, the studio actually, uh, fortunately, is in the basement of my own home. So uh, COVID really didn't ah. make a difference in terms of my work <laughs> because I was continuing to stay at home. 
but uh, sure. but in terms of um, my typical day would be uh, what I really love about this current phase of the last three years is that I get to work with so many different people and so many different styles of music. Like like I think tomorrow we're working with Raymond and uh, yesterday I was working with the Indian Absolutely. classical singer with working on on uh, Hindustani music and uh, sometimes it goes from anything from children's artists to choirs in San Diego. Uh, uh, working remotely, so the day is could switch between any style of music. Uh, <laughs> Kishore Kumar. <laughs> I did one recently sure. for Vibhu. Yes, uh, uh, ranges from such a range of music, and so every morning I come in mm-hmm. and I have a little post-it with, on my um, desktop which says these are all the projects, active projects. I'm going to pick three of them, three audio and three video, and try to get through it through the day. Um, but I also have wow. to disperse that with the live artists coming into the studio. So typically my right. day would be editing, uh, either mixing or editing, mixing audio or editing video between 10 and 3. And then from 3 onwards, wow. it's, people come in and we record, or sometimes it's drums, sometimes it's just vocals. Uh, each day is, it's, right. is so different and so unique. Nice. Absolutely. Um, and. Well, uh, yeah, go ahead. Cool. So I think now is the time, you know, to ask you the question. Uh, so as we already know, uh, Raymond, our very good friend Raymond Hayden was the one who introduced you to mm-hmm. us. So can you tell us mm-hmm. when and how did you meet him? How did that friendship start? Hey. Yeah, Raymond, uh, uh, we met actually three years ago and it was through a, a mutual contact uh, who brought uh, with uh, Raymond came over to me. actually I was just starting the out the opening the studio to the public and I was trying to figure out what was the best strategy who do I how do I start where do I begin and so right. um, uh, Raymond came over to my place and we all met for the first time and right off the bat I knew that there was some it's more than anything else there was no conversation that had it was just the energy and I just felt this is someone I I could uh, I'm so comfortable with, and I and that I feel the same. Like even three years later, it's like you feel like you know them forever. That kind of uh, uh, yes. energy that I had, and ever since then, Raymond's been. If I ever had a problem, I like a question. I've just called Raymond. Hey, you know, this is what's going on. What do I need to do? And he'd say, Hey, let's meet up for lunch or after the show. Just ha- come and hang out after the show. Let's talk about it. And so I always had him True. as a checkpoint. Like this is either this is what's going wrong or this is what's really going good. And Raymond always had that faith and trust in me that I was on the right path. And I need people like that in my life to give me that positive influence. Uh, Raymond has come and performed a couple of times in the past in the studio and um, done interviews and and always been uh, encouraging me and also uh, introducing me to so many people that have helped me make part of this course. Uh, and so I, I always call him my mentor and friend. And I'm so grateful for him. Yeah, absolutely. And he is the same to us too, and probably everyone in his life. And it yes. was such an honor to have him as a guest on our show as well. And uh, truly, thank you first yeah. of all to Mr. I Ray, the, who is watching that. right now. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and I have, hey, I have to ask, uh, GTA members, band members are in the chat. I see Kalisa is there, Ray is there. So I have uh, who yeah, is the most Hi, fun character? <laughs> who is the most fun character from Grieve the Astronaut? Grieve the Astronaut. Uh, I I I know Ray and uh, uh, Jessica and Kalisa the most. I mean, I think, and the others have I've met like Sid and uh, Eddie. I met once. Oh, cool. uh, Sirka has been uh, I've been here multiple times. But did you say the funny or the most? Uh, did you say funny? Did he ask cool, about the question? Say, yeah, 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 funny. We'll go yeah, funny. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. I think uh, Ray is always cracking everyone up with his, especially after every song, he starts playing <laughs> that, that cartoonish kind of piano thingy. And uh, he's always makes things so uh, lighthearted and uh, very, very clear trajectory. So, you know, even though he's even though he's doing something so serious and so meticulous and so uh, an art that's so perfect, he's sure that the spirit around him is always jovial and fun, and that's special. So yeah. he's the funniest, but also very focused and knows what he's doing. Yeah, that's very true. true. I think 
I think oh. Raymond is the, the, the funniest and the cheeriest uh, person in every single group he's in or, you know, group of friends or a yeah. band. You know, he's just, you know, very amazing person, amazing guy, amazing friend as well. Yeah. But so, he does it in uh, a way where he keeps the thing going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to ask you a question only Kanak will probably understand the answer to, but <laughs> what, is your, what is your favorite uh, Indian dish? Oh, you know what? When I, it's so strange. Mm. I was coming back from the school to the thing, and I literally assumed they were going to ask you that question. <laughs> really? I was trying to think of what are the questions they could ask me. I'm like, and I, and I, you know what? The answer that I was, I was thinking, what would my favorite Indian dish would be? But it's actually the um, tandoori. So I like a lot of the grilled chicken and grilled lamb and grilled uh, wow. prawns. So that's something I really love because you can't go wrong with that, and uh, that's one of my favorite uh -huh. dishes. Yeah, Raymond is saying butter chicken. Butter chicken? Yes, so that's cool. Crystal's favorite too. It's become my new favorite because uh, we get to share it a lot. <laughs> butter chicken uh, is uh, yum, super yum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, here's awesome. another awesome. India-related question. So what are the Indian musical cool. elements uh, that you have brought to the U.S. with you? Uh Honestly, the Gibson guitar and Joe Satyan has been my influence. Everyone associates me a lot with uh, rock music, and, and I've played everything up from rock to metal to all of that. And uh, But back in the day, especially in, in India, sure. uh, there were a lot of Indian cultural events, like cultural shows, contests that I would perform with, especially the one you mentioned, the Saregama, where for, I believe it was yeah. two months, if not more, that my band, Mixed with Jam, we just shut down all Western music and just focused on about 20 or 30 Indian songs. So that helped me uh, performing right. a lot with uh, in the Indian sure. um, cultural events, gave me a lot of that uh, that influences that I wanted to make sure was in my new, latest album. So in back in time, I have tabla and uh, you know some flute as much as I could back then, given I had limited resources. Uh, I had some of those influences in there and my Next album, I hope right. to have a lot more. Um, but yeah, so mostly from performing and playing. But uh, again, my go-to when I'm on stage is rock because of my strong love for the electric guitar and uh, and, and music like Satriani. Right. But uh, I love to incorporate tabla and flute right. into that. Although I've never played any of those instruments, so I can't bring that in personally. But yeah. Um, yeah. True. That's very nice. And, and back, and back in time is a great album for that. You know, uh, the musical versatility of that album is so fantastic, and and no doubt it has won so many accolades and uh, awards all over. And uh, would you like to talk to us about this album? And uh, because back in time, was it going back in time for real? It was. It was exactly that. In 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 two ways, actually. It was a kind of a. I don't know if it's a pun, but playing with the words. Wherein uh, I left India in in two thousand three, and so I had the band Extra Jam. Mm -hmm. We played for about seven years, and so a lot of my music influences and foundation was there. Uh, back before two thousand three, right. and then I came to the U.S. in two thousand three, and kind of had to learn a guitar because I came with just one guitar and two bags, and so there was no amps, no pedals, nothing. And um, uh, so for about two years, it was just studying, trying to figure out my, what I was going to do here. So music kind of took the back seat for a long time, almost uh, four years. And then when I tried right. coming, when I came to Seattle and I started performing from the 28,000 people and 4,000 you know, big crowds, it was five or six people in bars that didn't know who you were. So it was kind of demotivating a little bit. So in 2007, I started meddling a little bit with how do I record my music and so uh with mm, bass mm. and things like that but my music wasn't really sounding really good because I didn't know what I was doing I was just like plugging I had very very minimal equipment but I still continued mm -hmm. doing that still continued playing in bands that uh you know the max audience would be like 50 or 60 people back then and it wasn't very satisfying so I started going deeper and mm. deeper into recording uh and 2003, right. I'd written many songs, over 20 or 30 songs, but uh, uh, I stopped all of that for a long time. So by 2013, wow. 
I decided it's time to get back. And so that was me back in time to do something, but I had to reach back in time to get get my foundation out. So I contacted my old band members, Tony, Tony Das, amazing guitar player, and Wilfred DeMar, yeah. uh, amazing drummer from uh, back in the day, band, they live in Bangalore right now. And so we, uh, I put together, took some songs from back then, created some new songs, made this, it has songs only because I couldn't afford more. Uh, we put together, <laughs> I, I, I lay down all the foundations and Wilfred put down all the drums. Uh, Tony helped me with some guitars uh, and had Gus and Steve DeMar on bass. And this album, uh, at that point, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just wanted to create something. And so uh, my wife, Rupali, she told me, instead of doing this at home and, and always, I, I would have had version 28 of stepping stones and I'm still not happy with it, right? It's like I've tried it Gosh, every possible yeah. way with every type of drum. And finally she said, you know what? She went to Robert Lang's studio without asking me and, and spoke with Robert Lang and said, you know what? My husband loves playing the guitar and recording, but is there a way you could actually teach him something and like, uh, or give him this access to the studio? That's the studio, yes. And uh, Robert yeah. was so gracious, Robert and Tina Lang, uh, his wife, they were so gracious. My, he, he invited us to his home and he showed us the whole studio. And he said, you know what? Why don't wow. you come in and I will start a student program. And I was like literally maybe one of the first two or three students that we put, he put together. And I was there for a whole year. He literally gave me the key to the studio. So I was there from 2013 to 14 and experienced that studio life. And it really changed my perspective of, uh, uh, you know, how to record, how to take care of the details like phase and and uh, and all of the details that go into recording. Right. And um, and in that process, I was, was able to record my album and make that a reality. Uh, and the truth is that right. my one year Robert Lang got over July 2014, and that's when Crystal, my six-year-old, was born. So a whole new phase in my life started that time. So band stopped. Yeah, that's Crystal. You're super handy, Kanak. That's a little bit uh, In fact, that was, she was helping me shoot one of my, my guitar instruments. So, yes. uh, she is, uh, ever since 2014, she has been yeah. my, uh, uh, my life revolves around her, like I said. So part of the inspiration to start the studio was also so I can be home more and be with her and also try and keep up with my dreams. So one of the songs on the album is called Caught in a Dream, where uh, the story behind that is more like yeah. the, uh, Till uh, it was almost 20 years of a day job where I was caught in a dream of uh, dreams are mostly in the night because we sleep in the night. So I would be working all day and, and doing what I do more in the night and staying up all night playing music, recording. So I said I was just caught in that dream and I wanted to change things. So uh, ever since uh, right. this crystal was born, I started thinking of ways of how do I make my dream a reality. So. And yeah, back in time was uh, a stepping stone in that direction. Yeah. True. Um, well, and I have you, to. And then you got lost. Then you got lost <laughs> in the wind. And <laughs> for, yes. for eternity. <laughs> I like that. I hope so. Yes. And, and then crystal waves came and then back in time happened <laughs> there, there i like that i like the way you spun a story around the song title crystal waves was the last song that i wrote on the album it was inspired by crystal and the way i i it was actually called silver lining before that which was actually the song that i started writing in 2002 and i just didn't know where it was going so i needed a sixth song for the album and i picked up that one and then uh when right. crystal was just before she was born a little waves on my wife's stomach which was when she was kicking and so we went out to the cactus restaurant and I said, oh, that's the name for the song, Crystal Waves. It's actually the waves on the, on the belly. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's how that song came out. And I it was that. literally meaningful. Yes. Some of that Beautiful. Was... Yeah. Thank you. So, um, so cool. I have to mention that I have seen the videos you have posted on your YouTube channel with your daughter, Crystal, which I find so adorable and so heartwarming. Uh, oh, so... maybe the loner? Um, uh, yeah, the loner, and uh, I think it was her first live performance. Christians? No, when she was, when she was, yeah, you know, like with, with oh, Crystal. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, my question, my question is, uh, does she accompany you in the studio often? Good. Uh, she's all the time with me. Actually, the, especially the last year, um, she's been literally. I work late, so sometimes she's just sleeping in the studio and uh, with me here. She used to, and then we moved that away. But um, she's <laughs> all the time with me. Back when I, it's sometimes people ask me, "You've got all this equipment. Why don't you record yourself? Or why do you shoot? It's so hard to shoot yourself, even though you have all the equipment, because you need someone to check focus and check frame and and start the cameras. And you're like running around. It's so Crystal's always there, like. Yeah, yeah, that looks good. That looks good. And so she's helping them. <laughs> so most of those videos you see, Crystal's the one running wow. the cameras and hitting record, and she loves doing that. Uh, she's she's great. Yeah, she's, she's now crystal clear about the product. She's crystal clear about the production. I love that. I love that. Gosh, awesome. Um, she's uh, a big influence. Absolutely, absolutely. Who is uh, in the school right now? So when you watch this, Crystal, hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I want to ask you, even though, like, we have learned a lot, you know, I want to know how did you learn uh, guitar or music? Because did you have to get accustomed to the differences between the Western music styles and uh, the Indian way of learning music, or did you have to learn and unlearn things when you went to USA? Oh, um, honestly, I think uh, the truth is most of what I learned was in the early days uh, until 2003, because mm. that's when I really played the most. I rely a lot on right. my uh, muscle memory from back then. Unfortunately, a lot of it was bad technique. So, but it's become part of sure. me, and I've made it part of my music. So. Uh, as much as I go on stage each time thinking like, gosh, I'm not that good uh, and I make so many mistakes, I'm, I'm not confident sometimes, but I realize that once I'm performing, literally every time I'm on that stage, everything, it's like a tunnel vision and everything becomes darker mm -hmm. when you're just me and the music. And I'm like, I forget about all of that. Like, can I play? And like, what are the notes I'm playing? And what's my technique? And what's the battery? Right. All of that goes in. At the end, people don't talk about that. People just talk about the experience that they have. So uh, I stopped thinking about, I tried, sure. so when I came here, I had all these bad techniques and I went to a couple of places to try and unlearn it and try and relearn mm. how do I get better. And I realized it's not worth it. It didn't right. make, because I've spent so many hours in the past. Uh, I've been up to 10 right. hours a day playing guitar. It's almost, I think it would be worse if I had to unlearn things because then I'll just confuse my own fingers. So I just made it part of my music and now that's who I am. And I'm True. not trying to change that anymore. <laughs> But yeah, I did try to relearn and went to exactly. a school called RMI, but it, I realized it's not worth mm -hmm. it. And mm. uh, right. uh, yeah. So yeah, in terms of uh, mm. the Indian influences, I don't know that there was an Indian influence to the guitar. It was more the influence of my India phase. And that's still what I True. play. And but I do know that when I put the guitar down and come back after some time, I seem to be a little better than I was before. And I think it's part of muscles. Right. Right. Relaxing and, and getting more accustomed to what you've played. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. And I was, uh, you know, we were talking backstage and I came to realize that George doesn't speak any of the Indian languages. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm uh, that part of the brain just didn't seem to develop, I guess. I was so surprised, and so, uh, but he did answer so fantastically that he says, you know, I know only two languages, one is English and other is music. And I guess that is the most amazing answer to that, because music is one Thank of the you. languages that is universal and connects a lot of people, just like Funky and I, you, Raymond, who's watching right now, and so many beautiful people all around the world. So, uh, I that's I owe it yeah. a lot to music because uh, more than a language for communication, it was uh, the problem was when I was growing up, language became one of the things that uh, I was always associated with. Oh my God, he can't speak a language. And in school, I would be good sure. at other languages, but 
the I mean other subjects, but the language was what was pulling me down. Of the tuitions and people were making fun of me that oh you're not an Indian and all of that. So it was quite demotivating. But music, no one could judge. Like you just play, and that was what gave me that. I did make a difference, yeah. and that's why I always say that you know yes, I don't know any Indian language, but I do know music, and that's what's been my main language of uh, reaching out to everybody. Excellent. Yeah, the best language to know is music. One hundred percent. Truly is. Well, uh, well, I have to mention that you know once again, it's kind of like the same situation with me. I don't. Uh, play English music yet. I'm all about, you know, uh, let's say Kiss, uh, Alice Cooper, you know, I don't listen to Bosnian music at all. So a lot of my friends mm -hmm. here, they're like, you know, you're so different than all of us. You're, you're just, you know, you don't listen to the same music. You don't talk about the same things as we do, you know. So it makes me, you know, feel a bit out of place when I'm with them. But luckily, I have so many online friends, including Kanak, and you know, so many of them nice. that you know that I can talk about these things with. You know, that we have so much in common. You know, more than the people here. Uh, so yeah, That's and uh, yeah, and uh, all I have to mention that we have a question in the comments from Paul. Yes, please. Um, yeah. Have a uh he's asking do you have any new music coming out paul sort of your <laughs> album's coming out and uh i'm looking forward to that <laughs> but, uh, i'm uh so then the, the special thing about word studios is that almost every week something new is coming out which i'm a part of even if it's a small part of it like paul i'm going to be working on mastering his album or raymond's album so i feel like almost every week there's now music coming out but I think Paul's more talking about my own uh, music. And yes, I've I've been planning an album after Back in Time, which is currently in the works. Uh, I, I was mm -hmm. hoping to release it last year, or at least I'm looking at it last year. But uh, with all the progress and trying to make the studio a reality, I've been so focused on the studio lately and uh, working sure. on so many people's music that I feel like uh, I've kept that on the back burner, which is not a good thing. I need to start pulling that project into <laughs> a little bit more priority. But I do try and focus uh, at least uh, 30 minutes a day on my own music and uh, honing it. But given that it took me uh, 15 years to get back in time, God knows how long it's going to take to make this request. But I'm just kidding. But I think it's having access to the, having access to the studio is really good. And uh, But working with so many good musicians, I feel... Uh, I'm still, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm still making music every day. Actually, yeah, absolutely. Raymond, Kurt Cobain to Satriani. Yes, that's so true. Uh, <laughs> Gosh, that's, that's really fun. And uh, I have to uh, mention this album as well. Uh, did this come out here, yeah? Spirit of the Season? Yes, that album was released actually when Crystal was born uh, after Back in Time. It was a year later. And yeah. uh, I was, uh, I mean, all of these were stepping stones towards what happened to what studio, how Word Studios came along. So there was this flute player, which I, I, I had, I want to do my album launch show, August uh, mm -hmm. 1st of 2015. And uh, right. I needed a flute player to play on the album because Back in Time had flutes. So I just put into Google mm -hmm. search, uh, best flute player in Seattle and Bevani showed up. <laughs> so I said, you know, what are the odds if I just reach out to her? I mean, I, she had like million views on Facebook. I'm like, no, we should say yes, but let me try. And I message her and say, hey, you know, I got this song, do you want to collaborate? And the next week she's at my studio, the same, like literally been the same week. And uh, I said, you wow. know, it's, um, it was July 1st. And I said, you know, I'm thinking about having an album launch show, uh, but uh, mm -hmm. I was thinking of August, but literally a month later. And Within a month, we got together a whole team. Bevani was there. She played Louis, my drummer, Jeff Eason, my bass wow. player, Laddie Mitchell came and performed at that show. And so many amazing musicians wow. on that stage. And after that, Bevani, yeah, there's Laddie. Laddie was a studio once. Yes, Laddie's been yeah. a huge influence for me, just like they, Laddie. Whenever I have questions, I contact Laddie. Uh, wow. Uh, but uh, Bevani became a close friend and uh, we started doing some covers together. And then finally, the, the back of this, this album was a very interesting one. I have a video clip of it too. So Bevani said, let's sure. create an album of originals. 
And so we had this video uh, running on both of us. Like I was on the keyboard and she was, so she goes to the next room and I'm like playing on the piano and I suddenly started playing this Christmas song and it was two months before Christmas. She comes back and I'm like, yeah. hey, Bev, what do you think? Like we do a Christmas album or maybe a song. And she's like, why not? So we really like stop making the original and she starts playing Oh Holy Night and I'm playing the piano. That was really how the album oh, yeah, started yeah. then and that, in that moment. So then we said, you know, True. we blocked six days. So we said, tomorrow, let's just record all, pick six songs and just record them. So we did it back to back in three wow. hours. She recorded the flute, I recorded the piano. She went back to Minnesota because she was she was visiting from there. I put the, put, put the album together the next month and we released it. Yeah, that was a very quick album and happened in the moment. How cool is that? Wow. wow. I <laughs> so love from concept story. <laughs> to, to release was literally a month and a half. Wow. That's wow. very impressive. Yeah. So Absolutely. Uh, my question is, uh, so what is the most noticeable difference between the music industry in India and in the US? Uh, personally, because of my music, uh, when I was growing till the age of 26, so which was till 2003, I was uh, in a world where the music which I love, which was rock and, uh, you know, whether it was 80s rock or whatever, it wasn't that popular in India. It was popular with, the, with a select group of people. True. And I still remember That's trying true. to get sponsorship. I was trying to get people. I had this album and I wanted to create it, but nobody believed in it. Like they said, no, English, forget about it. It's not going to work. So it was really hard. Yeah. So I literally got the, a copy of, I don't know which software, but it was uh, back then they tried to record and I didn't know how to record anything back then so we went to a studio and tried to record our first album out of the dark my first album and it was a lot of money and not great results so a lot of uh, things which made it very hard for a musician especially when you're trying to go out of the box maybe if I knew it, an Indian language I could have written an Indian song but I didn't know any of that so my language was what I learned from Robert and uh, which was rock so it was very hard. But when I came to the US, there was so much more. Now, here's the catch. In India, there was a big audience uh, who liked that. So when I would play, there was a people, it was so new for the for for the audience that they would love it. They would like listen to uh, Brian Adams' uh, Summer of 69 again and again and again. Like, you know, we would be sick of yeah. it, but they loved it. But uh, once I came here, um, uh, it, it was a different thing. It was adjusting to the audiences that were saturated with that music. And uh, there was yeah. the concept of uh, industry started to dwindle in terms of anyone being able to support you, you had to figure it out yourself. And that's where mm-hmm. MySpace and, um, uh, and YouTube and all started coming in. And one of the first stepping stones away from that, um, or towards me getting back on the horse on the guitar was uh, an album called Shredfest, which was, uh, uh, actually, let oh, me yeah. take a step back. So I, to- I told you that I started, I started dabbling around recording in 2007 i recorded stepping stones which is my instrumental and i put it on myspace and this uh, guitar player named brian hansacker he came uh, and he he said hey you know that sounds really good we put together this shred fest album a bunch of shredding guitar players are going to put together an album do you want to be part of it so i said sure and i gave him the song and he said that's a beautiful song but recorded so badly i'm going to come and show you how to record so he comes over and he said, I can't hear the bass, I can't hear the drums, what did you do? So I started from there and started, I said, okay, at least there was something to work towards. So the music industry, honestly, here became more the community, come, the music community coming together and encouraging each other yeah. that we can do it ourselves. And that was the first step towards me starting to record with a purpose. There was something to record for an album. We did three albums, we played shows together. We, when Brian, me and Sergio started a band called Tracks, we played all over like so many shows. So the, for me, the music industry is the music community more than anything else. There's no labels and no, you know, sure. promoters and whatever. You do it yourself, but rely on each other. Like they, like they and I are tomorrow going to be working on an album. We are the, we are the music community at this point and the industry are other. All right. So, yeah, that's, that's the main difference. It, it, uh, main difference, I guess it teaches you to become independent. Like you, yeah. but obviously relying on others being dependent and relying on others is totally different. Yeah, so, I come, I, uh, you yeah, know, I, in, yeah. 
I completely agree. I feel like Go ahead. Never, Go ahead. Uh, there's no point waiting for something to happen. If you don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. True. Uh, we were like, oh, we got exactly. the, like, there was a Journey tribute band. We made a Journey tribute band in 2008. We practiced for a year and a half. We didn't play one show. I knew every song, we, every right. song on the guitar. We did not play one show because they were waiting for this magical moment to happen. It's not going to happen until you go and put yourself out there. True, true. And uh, and the band was called Triax, if I'm not wrong, with Brian and Zachary. Triax, yes, yes, Brian and Zachary. <laughs> yes, Brian is an amazing guitar player. Uh, he had this album, uh, yeah. which a big influence on me too. Brian is a big influence in my life. Wow, yeah. And uh, well, uh, as an Indian, I have to ask you now. This is not a music question. Uh, are you a fan of cricket? <laughs> uh, honestly, the truth, I'm, for some reason, I'm always the underdog. I, I picked soccer, football back then, football. So I was the football player. But uh, And the main reason is because Ooh. whenever I was playing cricket, you get to bat and if you get out, you sit and wait for, your, for something to happen for a long time. Exactly. And waiting on the side. And then when you're on the field, you get to bowl, but then... Yeah. Otherwise, you're just waiting for the ball to come to you. But in soccer, you can just go whenever you want to just play. So you're playing the whole time. So that was See, one of the reasons why I tend to like it more. Best explained because that's what I am into. <laughs> I'm not much of a cricket guy. <laughs> I love watching exactly. the game. I used to rather. I used to love watching it for the especially the end. It's always good to watch the end. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Indian scenario, Indian cricket scenario explained. But you know why I asked that question? Because you performed at uh, the Chinnaswamy oh. Stadium here, which was like a huge, massive audience, right? So I lied. So, I did get a bigger uh, audience again. Yeah. It was 40,000 people there. <laughs> 40,000 people, yeah. And uh, well, this is the stadium where currently the Indian oh. Premier League is happening. It was a dream come true, yeah. This is where uh, George performed as well. The forty thousand audience. <laughs> uh, thank you. I I feel like uh, the, the it's one of those things where you just stick with what you do for a long time, and over time, things come to you versus you have to run to it. So the towards the end of Mixed Fruit Jam, the last couple of years, it was I would get mails. Hey, do you want to play here? And and I loved my band so much because I would literally call them that evening, and the next day we we're on a bus right. or a van. Back then we didn't have money for planes, so we were like driving across the country playing shows which is right. in, in, in a span of a, over a day. So, uh, yeah, True. so Chinnaswamy Stadium was one of those magical moments. Too. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, how was it meeting your heroes and, you know, all these people? Because I can relate to very much. Uh, we grew up watching them on TV and whatnot because... Uh, I remember watching Crossroads. I guess that was a Eric who, that Steve Vai did. Oh, Steve Vai. No, Steve I yes, yeah, Steve the Steve Vai one. And I I remember watching that on uh, TV and whatnot. And I'm sure you must have watched a lot of them on TV as well. Uh, but how was it meeting people like Andy Timmons and uh, uh, you know who else? Tony McElfine. And performing with them, and uh, even Marty Friedman, Marty yeah, Friedman, Tony McAvoy. The the most I think the the common denominator among all of these is to realize that everyone at the end of the day is doing doing their best, doing their magic in their own way. They've just done it their mm -hmm. way, stuck with it. The, everyone's gone through the hardest of times, and they're just reaping the benefits of toil and labor and passion and talent uh and so when you meet them they are the humblest of people they are welcome you onto their stage and that makes me uh humbled and blessed and i right. always think that when we look at them on tv you think of them as oh my god these people you can never reach but when you actually talk with them andy for example we were at nam the other two years ago and i was like is this the same person wow. who all these albums and on tv it's like so down to earth Larry mitchell he is like, I still remember the first time I met Laddie Mitchell. Uh, I saw him. I said, oh, can I help you take your gear off stage? Because he just finished playing. And he's like, sure, sure. Can, yeah. you, can you put it back there? He's actually allowing me to carry stuff. And then I said, you know, I, I have the same guitar processor. And uh, he says, really? Do you want me to show you how to use it? Yeah. I said, 
sure thing. And this is just after the show. He gets into my car, back to my house, spends two hours with me. This is like a nine in the night, leaves at uh. one in the morning, explaining to me. And he didn't even ask me for anything. He said, like, hey, I just want to talk music with you. And that's how wow. it's been five years with Laddie now. So many shows. And he's come and played my album launch show. He flew in just for that show. Uh, he's on wow, my album. Yeah. He played a song on my album. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's the magic of the yeah. language of music. <laughs> yeah, so, so the meeting all these so-called stars is that it, at the end of the day, they're they are just as... Uh, there's Larry. They are the most uh, amazing yeah. people. They're stars because they're so down-to-earth and uh, humble and talented. They focus on the music and everything else is not important. I think that's the reason why they're stars. True, true. And it was a dream come true moment for us uh, when, you know, I was, uh, well, we had Jeremy Colson on and we had Mr. Alex Dupuy on, both oh, of them wow. uh, who work with Steve Vai. So uh, this was so fun. Yeah, this was so fun because, uh, you know, uh, Jeremy's episode was planned. And, uh, you know, the time, the showtime has, uh, you know, we've gone overboard the showtime and Jeremy isn't there still. And wow. we are freaking out, like, where is Jeremy? Like, what happened? What's the problem? And people are waiting in the comments. Oh, my God. And uh, I I got a video call from Jeremy on Messenger. He's like, hey, God, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, this and this is the problem. So can we schedule it to the earliest date, you know, reschedule oh it and what, and we rescheduled it like day after. Yeah. On the, on Halloween. Shooting. It was Halloween. Oh, yeah. Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was like so cool. And he was like, Hey man, sorry. Do you want me to make a video or something that wow. I couldn't come today and want to say sorry to people? Like it's My okay, Jeremy, God. you don't need to say sorry. <laughs> You don't need to say sorry, but you can, I you know, if you want to, you can. Yeah. Yeah. You can post a video if you want to, like we have rescheduled. The guy was like, hey, I'm sorry. And he literally did a video. He sent to me yeah. the video. Wow. That's and amazing. when I got off the call, when I got off the call, I was like, did I just miss a call? And did I just chat with Jeremy Colson <laughs> or Steve Vai? <laughs> Vai? Oh my God. Now I can imagine. I feel like that. I, I feel right. also, even right now, when you bring back all these, because I haven't actively thought of all these people in the long time, but now when you bring back the names like Tony Mag, I'm like, did this all really happen? Was it a dream? Yeah. <laughs> because it was like, right. so yeah, right. I know right. what that feels like. But, uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's such a fantastic moment, you know. When when you're living the moment, it's it's not that you know uh, you're whatever glorified moment because you're still living in the moment. So, Jeremy yeah. or any person is just as good as any other person. But when the conversation is done, when you know you go back home or you sit back and then you imagine, yeah, okay, this was Jeremy. Is this really happened? Or yes. Yeah. Yeah, did this really happen? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. That's, that's truly yeah, fun. Raymond really says that, like, the, it's the journey that makes us who we are today. That's what Raymond said, and that's the truth. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, after after this episode ends, we're gonna be like, "Holy crap, we had George on the show!" Oh, so, <laughs> thank you too. Absolutely. Thank you. I think Absolutely. I be, likewise, I think I'm so uh, happy to be here, and I, like I said in the beginning i feel like i'm with you guys forever it's so great Aww. oh our okay. honor and to our come back to what uh, raymond said about the journey sure. i feel like um, quite often people say oh my god i'm successful today or i'm a failure today and i don't think that's important i don't think what you are at a specific point of time is important it's what you've done over a span of time it's like you look mm -hmm. at all your successes and i wouldn't call them failures but things that haven't done so well and then as long as you've done some good stuff i think you're okay you don't have to call it. Hey, I'm not. I'm not. It's like right now, I'm not playing actively as a guitar player on stages. But that doesn't mean I'm a failed guitar player or anything. It just means that yeah. I'm focusing on something else. So, yeah. True. So I don't. I don't look at success or failures as a momentary thing. I look at life as a journey and and an aggregate. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Well, I have I have a lot of questions left to ask you, yeah. but since 
we've been on for an hour already. I have, I'm going to ask you only one. So, Kanak, uh, cool. if you have any more questions you want to ask before, go ahead. I have to put up uh, people's question here, uh, which is from Anders and uh, Fox and Porter. Let me just put up. So Fox and Porter is asking, is there a genre of music that you once hated but now enjoy and listen to? I would say that I hated any kind of music, but there was music that I would not think that I was capable of playing or uh, and uh, enjoy listening to. Yeah, I mean, I, for example, jazz was one thing that I always couldn't understand back in the day, and I was, I was intimidated by it. I was, In fact, I had a... a, a a, a piano player named Marcus Daniel who would try to fly me to the moon and I was trying and I'm like this is just too hard and I was just, so I wouldn't hate it but it was just that it was I didn't understand it and I would, I, I love what I heard but now uh bands like Joe and Penny come into the studio and they play jazz and I'm like oh, if I could only I just love the the sound I listen to smooth jazz all the time uh so I wouldn't say hated it, but it's something that I hadn't listened to a lot before because I was intimidated by it but now I listen to a lot more of that yeah. awesome awesome and Anders asks, is there a piece of gear you've lost and regret losing? Uh, I think, uh, I, I wouldn't say uh, and regret losing. Mm -hmm. Interestingly not, I haven't lost, I've, uh, <laughs> no. but, there, uh, but it reminds me of a case where that guitar, which I got in 96, uh, I remember that, uh, it was on stage and a band, we, I was supposed to go on after the band. And this guy had this long guitar strap attached to it. And he's walking yeah. off stage. The guitar strap goes around my guitar stand. And I mean, not the strap, the cable. And the guitar falls, boom. And everyone in the Whoa. audience goes, oh my God, what happened? So I felt like I almost lost that guitar because it almost like it went bang on the ground. Yeah. But thankfully it was all good. Right. So if I had lost that guitar, that would have been the the most crushing day of my life. But uh, but yeah, my guitar is the most precious thing for me. And uh, my it's an Ibanez that I got it 25 years ago. Yeah. And I would never True. want to lose it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, my last okay, go question, ahead. <laughs> yeah, my last, yeah. my last question sure. for you is, uh, if you could share uh, some advice or words of wisdom to your friends or your friends and the people in the audience, what would that be? Yeah, uh, there are two things that come to my mind. The one is, um, uh, especially because of late, people have been telling me, you're living your dream. Uh, and oh my God, you're mm -hmm. so lucky that you're living your dream. And I always say, you know what? I've always been living the dream. It's just in different capacities of what that meant. I've always been playing my guitar. I've always been writing in some form, playing on stage. So uh, I feel like right now, yes, I'm working in a studio, which was a dream I always had. But I feel like we can always live our dreams in whatever capacity, anytime. And we don't have to wait. Yeah. So one thing is don't wait to live your dreams. Just live it in whatever capacity you can. Uh, that's the first thing. And the right. other one is that things seem to go downhill sometimes. You feel like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Why did I do this? And I always feel just stick it out because someone special is going to come by you never know when someone's going to come into your life and change things and make things better so always uh live your dream do your best to keep um keep that going and even if things go down there's always someone special that's going to come in and change your work absolutely wow wise words thank you yeah absolutely you. wise words and thank you so much well we have you know, a lot of questions still in the store. So yes. we are oh. we're gonna have to invite you for part two. And uh, since I'd you have a back. session Thank now, you. yeah, oh yeah, since you have a session much. now. We are letting you off, but before we let you go, uh, we want to share your socials with our audience who is watching right now. Please go follow George on Facebook and Instagram at the rate gv and on Twitter, contact underscore George. And obviously, you can find more info about George and his studios on uh, georgeverghese.com. And, uh, well, it has been such a pleasure that uh, you came on today. And thank you for, uh, you know, accepting our invite. And it's, it's such uh, a pleasure. I want to and thank you guys so much for having me.
Yeah. Thank it you. Was, it was uh, I, a really fun one now with you, which I feel I've walked back down memory lane and relived so many wonderful moments. I sincerely appreciate what you've what you've done for me and what you're doing for so many other people. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's our, it's our honor. So it's our pleasure. So yeah. Yes, absolutely. That means a lot to us. And thank you once again. And uh, we're gonna let you off now. But uh, you're coming back for thank part you to two. everyone who watched sure. the show. Thank you. Absolutely. I want to say thank you to everyone you. who came and watched Paul and Kelsa and Raymond and everyone else there and Anders. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you all for tuning in today. And Jeremiah Connock, that's funky, signing off with George Verkis. And take care. Love, thank peace you. to all, and keep rocking. Ciao for Ciao. now. See ya.